So that's my best advice. One is don't be an eager buyer, be a reluctant buyer. And the second one is follow up. Welcome, my friend, to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. And before we get into the show in today's episode, which I know you'll get a lot of value from because we're, we stay out of all the fluffy stuff and we get straight into the good stuff of real estate investing advice, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, and that's Patch of Land. Uh, they are making this show possible and they're making tons of flipping projects possible all across the country. If you don't know about Patch of Land, then they are the number one company to go to for uh, projects that you're flipping uh, because they have all the money available right now. Um, once you get approved for your your deal and yourself as a sponsor or a borrower, um, you're going to be funded by them. And then they go raise the money through their crowdfunding platform. So you don't have to worry about all that. They'll take care of the, the money and the funding for you. You just have to worry about making sure your project's, project's a success. Uh, they've got something really cool for you. So um, if you are just learning about crowdfunding, uh, they've come up with a guide. It's called the Top 10 Crowdfunding Questions Guide. And they're all the, the questions that you might be asking yourself. And they're all the answers. They don't leave you hanging. They've got answers too. All the answers to those, those 10 crowdfunding questions. So you can go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Uh, and if you think you know everything about crowdfunding, I'd check this guide out just in case because there are some interesting aspects that you'll learn. So go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Best ever listeners, how's it going? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. Underline ever because seriously, you're not getting any better advice than right here. I've spoken to lots of best ever guests in the past from Barbara Corker and Jay Papazan, Neela Richardson, who works at Redfin. She's one of the, the executives there. Who else? Did I say Barbara Corcoran already? Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank. Lots of people. And today we're going to speak to another amazing best ever guest, Brian Gibbons. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing awesome, Joe. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing awesome as well. And nice to have you on the show and looking forward to it. Brian's based in California, Sherman Oaks, California. He is a wholesaler who is focused on rehabs, flips, and likes to use private lenders. One of his favorite things to do is to JV, joint venture, with the seller. So we're going to talk to him about that, or rather, he's going to talk to us about that. And interestingly about him, non-real estate related, he coaches lacrosse in Los Angeles, ages, let's see, 8 through 15 years old. So he knows how to, what is the lacrosse ball called? Is it just a ball or is there a special name for it? No, it's called a hard rubber lacrosse ball, and it hurts like a if you get hit. So <laughs> those goalies are not very sane, you know. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I I know lacrosse is a um, a very active and physical sport. I have a couple friends from the Northeast who grew up playing it. So, Brian, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on right now? Well, I try to help as many people in bigger pockets as I can. And just a shout out to Josh and Brandon who built that site, you know, and I have a lot of respect for how hard they work. 
But my background is I started in 1986 in real estate. That's when I got my first deal. So I'm a very old guy. I got a lot of gray hair. And um, back then, the, the interest rates were really high. They were well over 10%. And we had to do a lot of seller financing and a lot of creative deals. So I love creative real estate, which means how can we help the seller solve a problem and make some money? That's what I'm all about. And right now, wholesaling only uh, business plans, I don't think is a great way to do business. I think you should have other tools in your toolbox. And we'll talk about that. Yeah. What do you mean by other tools in your toolbox? Well, everybody knows what wholesaling is, right? You go out and you find a deal that has, needs a lot of work and you price it right with the rehab. Let's say you had a $100,000 house. Let's say it needed 40000 in work. And um, you use your 0.7 times ARV minus the 40 minus your fee. So you give that seller a small amount of money. It's not a lot of money, is it? Yeah, let's do that example. So $100,000 house, yep. that's what it's worth after repair value? Yeah, ARV, after repair value. ARV. And okay. that's the best price you're going to get for that in perfect shape. Okay, then what do you do? So you use the 0.7 or 70% of ARV, and that's 70 grand, right? Yep. And you subtract the 40, now you're at 30, and then you got to get a wholesaling fee, maybe five grand. So what's the number you offer the seller? Depends on how much you want your fee to be. What would you offer? Well, let's say it's five grand for your fee. So the end result, you're going to give that seller a very low number. You know, their attitude is, I need 40,000, my property's worth 60. Why are you giving me such a low offer? And that's what happens most of the time in wholesaling. You get a seller that doesn't like the offer at all. And that's why realtors don't like wholesalers. They don't like how those numbers are created. So how can you make money by helping the seller with, maybe they could give them two offers. You could give them a wholesaling offer and, and that number net to the seller is about 35. How can we make more money? Well. Let's do a JV. And the JV, you got to work backwards. You got to take the repairs, which is 40, and then you got to find some way to get that 40. And it's generally with private lender money. And I don't know if the listeners know about private lenders, but most of my private lenders are just very easygoing people that have IRA money. And if they have IRA money, we teach them about self directed IRAs. And have you talked about that on your show before? We have, yeah, but if you want to just high level, that would be good. Okay. Well, let's say we found a neighbor next door that had 200000 in their IRA and they're in their 60s. And you go up to your neighbor and you say, I do a lot of real estate investments and I'm looking for a private lender that will lend me $10,000 and I'll get you 10% on your money within three months. Not over a year, but within three months. Would you be interested in that kind of investment, especially if there was real estate security involved? How many people might say yes to that? Just your neighbor, guy that lives next door. Yeah, I imagine that'd be a good scenario for them and most people, 10% in three months. Because what's the annual rate? That's like 40%, right? If it's 10% in three months, this is an SAT question. How much in 12 months? It's four times as much. That makes sense. There you go. And... You know, if they've got money right now in CDs or they got money that's volatile in the stock market, all you got to do is marketwatch.com and figure out how the stock market's going. It's volatile right now, isn't it? Yep. 
So if we could get people certain interests, now how do we do that? We generally go through a custodian, and a custodian is a company approved by the IRS to set up real estate IRAs or non-traditional IRAs, and they're also called self-directed IRAs. Without going through a lot of detail, and anybody listening to this, if you want to learn about private lender, I'm happy to help you send you some free information. Just email me at brian at reiskills.com, and I'll be happy to send that to you. But the bottom line here is your job, if you're going to be a creative real estate investor, is to have at least three to five people that can give you 10 grand within a week. And if you can get those people that are willing to give you that money, you can do joint ventures with sellers. Let's go through a a very easy example. Let's say that you had a $100,000 house in Ohio and it needed $10,000 in work. So to do a JV with the seller, we need to get $10,000 to do the work plus a $10,000 profit. And our offer is going to be Ten thousand for the rehab, ten thousand for closing costs, and usually ten percent. You know, with the commissions at six percent, closing costs at two percent, all that stuff. It's about ten percent. So we have ten percent to sell, ten percent to repair, and ten percent for our fee. So that's thirty grand. Okay. Okay. So we're going to offer the seller seventy thousand on the JV. That's their net, but it's going to be in a note. Now, you folks out there. In mortgage states, you'll have a mortgage and a note. In deed of trust states, you'll have a deed of trust and a note. Now, why would the seller give you a seller finance carryback, you know, with a note, free and clear house, they'll give you, they'll take the 70. Why? Well, we sit down with the seller and say, look, if you sell with an agent, first of all, the agent's not going to want the house that needs work. Agents are pretty lazy and they don't have any vision and they can't teach other people to have a vision. So say if you throw 10 grand at this house, you'll be fine. But the problem is, is sometimes you can't get financing for a house that needs work, right, Joe? Yep. So if you can't get financing, it's an unsellable house for the realtor. Now, I actually am pretty audacious. I'll ask the seller to call the Weeba House people and get a written quote. Now, let's do the math. 0.7. Oh, the ARV is is 70,000 minus the 10, right? Minus the five. So we're at 65 offer for the house, for the We Buy Houses people. So that's 65,000. We got to beat that. Am I making sense? Okay. Okay. I'm sorry, 55,000. Do the math again. $100,000 house needs 10,000 in work. So it's 0.7 minus the 10 in work. And if it's a wholesaler, they need to make a wholesaling fee. So we got to beat that number on the JV. So what we do is we take 10,000 in work, 10% to sell, and then maybe 10,000 for our fee. And that's how we make more money for the seller, but they have to wait three or four months for the money. And it doesn't work in every single rehab. If it's a major rehab, the JV doesn't make much sense, but if it's a minor rehab, like my favorite minor rehab are dated houses. Now, you live in an area that there's a lot of old houses, right? 1950s, 1960s. 1900s. 1900s. Well, even in 1980s, some of those kitchens are pretty dated over 30, 40 years. And these millennial buyers, they, they, they don't want the old stuff. They want the new stuff. And to update a kitchen and maybe some bathrooms at 10 grand budget, that would really make that house sing. Right, especially if you had warranties on every single appliance. 
that kind of thing. Make it really beautiful. Give it a bath of paint. And you could really do a lot of work in your market for ten grand to turn that house into a shiny new penny. That's one of the ways that I like to make money on houses that are a little bit dated. And once you get two or three of these, you can go to a probate attorney and say, if you have any dated houses that need to be sold for your heirs, we have a service for you. This is what we'll do. We'll take all the stuff out and put it in storage. We'll update the kitchens and the bathrooms for you at our expense. And then we'll give you a note for the equity for the heirs and we'll resell it. And your note will be paid off within 30, I'm sorry, within about 90 days. Now, how many probate attorneys would like that idea? Well, let's try to back up a little bit. Probate attorneys, for folks that don't understand what probate attorneys do, their job is to get somebody that's passed away money to their heirs. So if you passed away and you got a real estate property, what's the headaches with selling a property that needs work? It's hard to sell it, and the heirs just want cash. They don't want the property back. So what we do is help the heirs get paid. Can we very quickly go through this $100,000 ARV example, just high level again? Sure. So $100,000 at repair value needs ten k in work, yep. and then you had ten k and ten k. One of the ten k's was closing costs. Other ten k was your fee. So that's thirty thousand. You offer them seventy thousand. I understand that. Good. Then you do the repairs. Takes three months. I assume you've got to contract that out, oversee the whole process. Right. Then what? You sell it in three months, basically for the amount, the after repair value of a hundred thousand. That's correct. Right. That's correct. Let's do the the accounting real quick. They have a hundred thousand dollar house sale price. It costs six percent in commissions and two percent in closing costs and maybe some wiggle room. There's one ten percent. We're at ninety. The heirs are getting paid in three months because there's a, a first mortgage on that house of seventy that they're going to be paid off. Okay, got it. Okay. Okay. So we, we just did a sell a carry back is all we did. We did created a private first mortgage and upon resale they get their seventy. And the private lender gets their ten plus interest. Brian, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? For absolute rookies, there's two. One is be a reluctant buyer. Don't be an eager buyer. Being an eager buyer puts you you, you lose your power. And I, you probably heard that before. Have you come across that in, you know, over what you've been investing since, what, 80, what did you say, 86? 86. 86. So I, I'm sure you've fallen into that trap before. I don't do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, I find that as a rookie mistake. Yeah. The second rookie mistake is not being persistent in your offers and following up. No follow up at all. They throw out an offer and, and walk away. That's a mistake. So that's my best advice. One is don't be an eager buyer, be a reluctant buyer. And the second one is follow up. And I like to follow up with postcards, not with email, not with phone, but with a postcard. There's something about a postcard, they don't throw it away, they they keep it. I mean, I've gone to a guy where I've written like 10 postcards over six months, and he says, okay, get over here. And he's got 10 postcards in front of him when I go talk to him. It doesn't happen with email, and it doesn't happen with the phone. Yeah, I've seen firsthand on the persistency in following up. Yeah, I'm raising money for a deal in Houston, a 250-unit deal that I'm closing on this Friday. And one of my investors, we've been talking and you know, we had kind of sporadic conversations over the course of a month, month and a half. 
and I didn't hear from him for a little while. So I just kept following up and eventually, you know, he followed back up with me and ended up investing in the deal a substantial amount. Mm -hmm. And I know that if I wasn't persistent and it's not persistent from a nagging standpoint, it's persistent from a, hey, I can provide value in your life. I've got a good opportunity. And just checking in on you mm-hmm. and then giving you know more more or new pieces of information in my situation on the opportunity uh, and and in your situation where you know you're following up with postcards it's you know just reiterating what you'd like to do um, to help them out and that persistence in the follow up has led to business for me mm-hmm. and clearly it's led to business for you too Oh, exactly. Whether it's private lending or dealing with sellers or even dealing with tenant buyers. I've gotten some of the best tenant buyers by being persistent, uh, where they're giving me 10% down. And it's a great house. And it's a big payday for me. And they just procrastinate. That's all. And you have to be professionally persistent. I would like to touch base on one other thing, and that's no equity houses. There's 20 million of these houses in the United States right now. They have very little equity, even though prices have risen a little bit. And if your marketing gets a pretty house with no work whatsoever, what can you do with it with no equity? Well, most realtors won't even do the listing because their attitude is they can't afford to pay me. So what do you do with it? Well, I like expired listings, first of all. Why? Because they've already tried with an agent or high days on the market or canceled listings. One of those three. I like focusing just on that. And then I like to divvy them up with hot, warm, cold based on location. Where are they? If they're in the best school district on a quiet street, I want that house. I really want that house. I'll go knock on their door and give them a free report on lease to own. And I'll introduce myself to them. And I'll keep at them and keep at them and keep at them. On a pretty house, in a good location, a quiet street, good school district, I can make 3% in 10 hours. How do you do that? What do you mean you make 3% in 10 hours? I enter into a lease and an option with them, and then I assign that contract for a fee. That's called a lease option assignment or a lease option flip. So you've got to have someone with a down payment who wants to enter into the lease with option to purchase? That's right. We find a renter that just missed financing with FHA, and it's a problem that we can handle. Most of the problems that we find are people that have too much debt-to-income ratio. They're over 43%, and they need to pay down some bills. And they need two years to do that. A lot of millennials fall in that, under 30. So the DTI is a problem that we can work with. Sometimes we need a part-time job for a temporary period of time to increase some income, even if it's just 10%. But the DTI is important. Major problems like bankruptcy and former foreclosures and things of that nature, we might entertain, but they need a long-term lease-to-own arrangement so that they can rebuild their credit, and they're going to need three to five years. But that kind of business model, I think, is a wonderful business model because you're solving the problem for the seller, and you're solving the problem for the, the renter that wants to own. So lease option assignments, I think no equity deals is a great way to, to make money, and it's a great place or people that don't have a lot of money in marketing, like they can't do wholesaling because they don't have a lot of money in marketing to get started. If you're looking for the, like you've obviously heard of house hacking, if you're a bigger pocket, you're, you're all over bigger pockets yeah. and you're a fan of Brandon. Yeah. 
house hacking, just for the best ever listeners, in case you're not familiar with it, it's basically where you live in one side, rent out the others of a, a two to four unit property while getting very attractive financing and then doing that for a year or however long you need to, to um, satisfy the loan requirements and then doing it again. Would you consider taking this approach where you're looking for expired listings or canceled listings or listings that have been on the market for a while and do that from a house hacking standpoint? Sure. Especially if I'm young and single and especially if I'm in a college town where a lot of people will, you could rent out those rooms and make more money than renting out the whole house to a family. Yeah, of course. And college towns tend to, you'd say college students versus just a regular family you think you'd make more money on? I think so. And I think if you could spend a little bit of money to get them into like those two-to-a-room bunk bed dorm room type of things and they're grad students that are quiet, like business majors. Business majors aren't quiet. Law students are quiet. Medical students (laughs) are quiet. You know, dweeby types, geeky types. You know, you want the people that are there for the GPA. They're not there for the party. Very interesting. Never thought of that. (laughs) I guess that's why I was an advertising student, because I don't think I was as quiet of a neighbor as (laughs) law students would have been. (laughs) Yeah, you want those geeky ones that really are engineering students, you know, people that are kind of, you know, just they like things more than people and um, or ideas more than people. And those are the people that really need that GPA. But I think house hacking, and especially if you can get three, three and a half percent together and getting a duplex, I think that is an awesome idea, too. Agreed. Agreed. And finally, since I moved from New York City to Cincinnati, I'm going to be doing that in the next three months or so. So I will be reporting back to the best ever listeners on my progress here, too. You ready for the best ever lightning round? You got it. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it. Now it's time for you to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor today, Patch of Land, they're the leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to all of your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Brian, what's the best ever book you've read? How to Finance Any Property Anytime by James Misko, M-I-S-K-O. Best ever personal growth experience and what did you learn from it? Marine Corps Boot Camp, Paris Island. I learned how to keep my mouth shut and get yelled at pretty well. <laughs> Best ever deal you've done? I think it was my first one. And I'll, I'll tell you, it, it was a um, hard money loan, no money, money out of my pocket. And it was the first deal I ever did. And it was a rent to own exit. I made 16000 net in my pocket at 24 years old. And it was more money I was making in a whole year. That was my best favorite deal. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? Well, I think it's my coaching one-on-one where I'm helping people build a business from ground zero, especially negotiating with the sellers and getting that training down so that they can have uh, creative offers to the seller and not be a one-trick pony and just do wholesaling. That, that's my, my number one project. I, I want people to be making hundred grand a year out of the box their first year in real estate investing. And I think you need a few tools to get that done. Best ever way you like to give back? Lacrosse. I coach little guys in lacrosse from as young as six all the way up to 15. And I'm a big little kid on a field. I'm six foot four, 220 pounds. And I'm pretty intimidating by a lot of people. But I get on my knees with little six year olds and I said, hit me. 
come on, you can do it, knock me down. And they love that. So, you know, coaching boys in lacrosse is a, a kick in the I've, I've even coached overseas. I've coached in Australia. And uh, it, it's just, I'm an ambassador to the game. So you got to love something and give back. What's the biggest mistake you've made in the many years you've been in real estate? I make mistakes every week. But the biggest mistake, I think when I was younger, I thought I knew everything. And I had a business where I was a little arrogant, I think, in my 20s. And I had to go through a reorganization of my corporation because I lost a business partner. And we fought over stupid stuff. And if I had to go back again in that business, I would have just bought him out, given him the money he wanted, and uh, and moved on versus spending 30 grand in legal fees to, to fix the problem. So it was being too proud or too arrogant, I guess. But that's, you know, you learn as you get older, right? I hope so. You learn, as long, and the, the key is to apply what you learn. Mm-hmm. What would you say to a seller who you're approaching about the joint venture, the JV, how do you begin that conversation? Because that can be quite an intimidating structure for somebody who's not used to it. I just want to—I I was looking at my notes, and I just want to ask that what last follow-up question. Sure. Well, the way I approach every seller is first be the doctor with the seller. In other words, ask a lot of questions and don't try to puff yourself out like a peacock saying, "I've been doing this business for X years. Our team is so great." Blah 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 blah. Don't do that. Ask some good questions. One of my favorite questions in the beginning is, what would you like to see happen with your situation? What's your ideal outcome? And it says, what's your time frame to get that done? Find out what urgency they're at. If I could show you about four different ways to solve the problem, would you be open-minded to listen to some creative solutions? Because if they're not, if they're not open, if they just want cash for their house, you know, and they're stubborn, that's not a great prospect for you. But if they are open to that, I basically show them, you got to. If they list it with an agent and pay the cost to sell, that's a solution. If they rent it out and wait for appreciation and deal with ineffective property management, perhaps, that's a solution. What else can you do? Well, in the state of California or the state of Ohio, you can do the following other solutions. One is a land contract in Ohio, taking your state. Another one is doing a lease with option is another solution. And we show them those kinds of solutions. And if it needed work, we would do a joint venture. So, and then I go through each one of those and show them the numbers of those decisions. And that's the easiest way to bring up the JV because you're showing them as a possible solution. Interesting. And then you find out which way to go. But my approach is teaching that seller all their options, not just throwing my solution at them. I love it. That's some good stuff. I'm glad that I asked that follow-up question. What is the best ever place to reach you? Oh, it's easily found at 818-570-0840. Or you can go to reiskills.com. It's one of the oldest coaching sites in the United States. All right, Brian. Thank you for being on the show, sharing your advice. And that last part where you said you approach it as though you're a doctor and you ask a lot of questions. Uh, What would you like to see happen? What's your time frame to get that done? If I could show you four different ways to get that done, would you be interested in hearing creative solutions and teaching them the options and walking them through it side by side with them versus force fitting or force feeding them one particular approach? 
ultimately you probably know the best approach for you and for them but it's important to it sounds like it's important to go through that process with them and then also talking about the no equity homes that are out there and what the best ever listeners can do to make money on those no equity homes specifically doing a lease with option to purchase for somebody else so you find a no equity home that doesn't have equity in it then you assign the contract to someone who hasn't been able to get approved through traditional financing but has the ability to clean that up within the next couple years and enter them into the agreement and then you make a fee on top of that and then also you know talking through the joint venture structure as well uh, with the hundred thousand dollar house example so thank you for being on the show sharing your advice and we'll talk to you soon Joe, you've been awesome. And I am just so impressed with the guests that you interview. You've got some monster guests. And I just, I applaud what you're doing. Good job. Well, I appreciate it, Brian. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you, Joe.